Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, our new show partner for 2022. I'm Lantern here with Benji, as always, for the Yumbo Visma season preview, perhaps the most hotly anticipated team preview. And they've obviously got a big focus on the Tour de France this year. As usual, we'll go through their 2021 season some highs, some lows, particularly in the tour for them. Their transfers, which is very classics focused, as well as which we now know their Giro and Tour squads and the Vuelta squad, no one knows yet because it will depend on the tour result. We'll discuss those squads and some big questions like how is Wout van Aert's green jersey ambitions compatible with Roglic's yellow jersey? Why is Dumoulin doing a Giro with no time trial kilometers? But how are you going, Benji? You'll you'll say are you ready for the season? Like how do you feel? Refreshed? Yeah, certainly. I'm so hyped for the season. I can't wait for the racing to start. I can't even wait for smaller races to start. I've been watching literally every small race that has been on in the last week and a half now. So uh yeah, I can't wait for the bigger ones to occur and for the uh big guns to start at larger races. And we've got quite a lot of big guns in this team, right? It's a pretty good team. It's a pretty good team, Jumbo Visma. We've got also an interview with Sepp Koos, which will be dropping tomorrow on the Friday, uh, which is just talking about his ambitions for this year and some recaps of last year. So make sure you check out that interview and subscribe if you want to see that. But Benji, their 2021 season, 19 World Tour wins, no monument, no Tour de France because Roglic crashed out, but they got Jonas second at the Tour, four stage wins, Vuelta, where Roglic went and honestly could have won eight stages. He won four stages there. And a smattering of good wins, like Paranese stage win, Torreno stage win, Paranese three stage win before Roglic crash up. Uh, Gent-Wevelhem and Amstel, the two classics wins for Van Aert, Basque Country for Roglic. But no Tour de France. So that was that was the goal. So that, that it has to be not the season they wanted. Yeah, certainly I think that's uh, the case there. But also when it comes to the monuments, they had Roglic winning LBL in 2020. Was it 2021 or 2020? Either one of them. Uh, Sanremo also uh, being won by Wout van Aert in the past already. So they've won monuments with this squad before. And to not win a monument this time around is just a sad thing. And it seems like they were missing with Wout van Aert perhaps a 2-3% in some of the bigger races. And I think the focus on the Olympics by Wout van Aert also changed a bit in that aspect. Now, when it comes to the Tour de France, certainly Roglic crashing out in the first week injured their capacity of uh, trying to win that Tour de France by a lot. And then Vingegaard, honestly, amazing performance, getting second in your first Tour de France, just like that, absolutely beautiful. And I think from the disappointment they had at the start of the Tour de France, they ended that Tour de France very successfully with the squad they had left. Let's be honest about that. So I wouldn't see the Tour de France as a big loss because it was injury related like that's how i see it at least yes injuries happen crashes happen and some can be avoided but i think it's worse to lose when not being crashed out for example 2020 was more was more gut-wrenching for yeah. sure for yumbo and Roglic. whereas if you look if you took that like i'm saying from a macro year perspective didn't hit that tour de france goal yeah. Still came second, but as Benji is saying, if you ask Jumbo Visma on the first rest day after Rolich is abandoned, we'll give you four stage wins and second. Like, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a return that literally every other team except UAE would jump at. So, yeah, 
good. It just shows how much uh, Jonas Wingard improved. I, I would say, as Benji was saying, that the classics, you know, you you do have to remember, and you look at the odds this year for all the monuments. Wout van Aert is the favourite for all of them, except for maybe oh, not all of them for the for RVV Roubaix and Milano San Remo uh, Liège. I actually think he'd do pretty well, and so that's why not performing well there or coming consistently on the podium is maybe a bit under. But that's going into their transfers, Benji. Um, I think they've really, really shored up there. But, yeah, any other highlights throughout the year? It is top-heavy. There's mostly mostly Wout van Aert and Roglic that are winning these races. Jonas has to be the, the biggest improvement that they have to be happy about. He, he's like a top-five GC guy now, or is that an overreaction to the Tour? I think top five is definitely uh, the case right now. And yes, it's dependent on few races, but the man just grew so quickly from the Vuelta last year where he was performing as a domestique. And we saw the sparks that could lead to something like what happened in 2021. And we saw Itzulia where he quite literally was a co-leader for the team. He has a defensive one, allowing Roglic to be able to uh, win that tour as a consequence by just holding the wheel of Pogacar everywhere. <laughs> and uh, then eventually in the Tour de France, that came out when he had his, his opportunity. And yeah, we said at the start of the Tour de France that he should be like a backup leader just in case something happens. And it happened just like that. And it's good that they had a backup leader like that that was able to still deliver that top three. So definitely that real move forward for him. When it comes to young riders in their squad, I was expecting more from... The likes of a David Decker, perhaps, when we saw him win at the start of the season in UAE Tour, I was like, I was certainly hyped about it. We started hyping yeah. him up so so badly, and right now I feel like Olaf Goy is the one with more potential. Yeah, I mean, did we overreact to UAE Tour? Was he just in the right place at the right time, or did he get? Put on domestique duties for Groenewegen in races where he could have been a leader. We, pro- I think, kind of the latter, particularly yeah. at the Giro d'Italia. Uh, but yeah, they did have good performances from young guys like Jonas, and even coming into the end of the season, the Van Dijk brothers, who were on the Dev team and are now in the World Tour team. But before we get into those transfers, more of a discussion on our show partner, our presenter Zwift. If you're not aware, Zwift is the indoor cycling app that makes training fun with nine different worlds based on real life and fantasy locations. I did Innsbruck, the world championships course where Remco destroyed everyone in the junior road race uh, back in the day. Uh, I did that yesterday. They got tons of workouts and training programs and a huge community to keep you company whilst you ride. In fact, this year's WIF will host the UCI Esports World Championships at the end of February. We've got some interviews lined up in advance of that and also act as the headline sponsor of the Tour de France Femme avec Zwift to continue to level up women's cycling, which we already did the recap of that parkour announcement last year. And for LRCP listeners, Benji and I have a Q&A ride in our inaugural Zwift group ride next week on Tuesday, the 8th of February, 6 p.m. UK time, 7 p.m. Uh, European time. We'll have the link in the description below for more details. And we'll do a tweet as well on Lantern Rouge uh, CP Twitter with the timing for uh, Oceania and America. But that takes us, that sort of maths takes us like at least four days to do. So just look out for the tweet with all the time zones, but otherwise head to Zwift 
Com to start your free seven-day trial or find out more. Personally, I'm really excited for this because we have we have a lot of dead time, Benji, and this is a way for us and the plan is during big stage races, during sprint stages of Grand Tours, etc., we will have standing group rides in sort of the when nothing's going on can talk to everybody, can get everyone that listens on board and do Zwift group rides. And also this partnership will enable us this year, pandemic dependent, to do live shows in certain locations, uh, maybe even at the World Championships this year, which I personally can't wait for. So thanks very much to Zwift for coming on board and becoming our presenting show partner. And thanks also to you, the audience, without whom the growth of LRCP to what it is now wouldn't be possible. But onto the Jumbo Visma transfers, a huge transfer window, honestly, with Tony Martin retiring as well as Fingston and Paul Martins and Martin Vianance. So, okay, not huge, all of them, but Martin, they're, they're ruler. Do you think Benji is Rowan Dennis the Tony Martin replacement who's come over from Ineos? Oh, I think uh, a Tony Martin replacement is not exactly the... Uh correct blueprint I would assign to Rohan Dennis completely. Yes, I do believe he can fill that role in some sense, but I feel like he's also got qualities that Martin didn't have or didn't have towards the end of his career, where I think Dennis is a better climber on certain days because we saw the Giro 2020 where he was absolutely brutal on the final week. Then the Tour de Suisse in 2021 was a bit of a weaker moment. So if they can find a consistency in that, then he can definitely be a very important factor in a mountain train as well, next to being the kind of rider that paces in the same way Tony Martin did to keep people safe at the front of the peloton. Now, I do believe, despite the amount of crashes that Tony Martin was in that, Dennis, I'm not sure I completely trust him in the role that Tony Martin was in yet. So I'd still have to see that myself. Is that something you see as well? or? Yeah, like he obviously has much more upside than Tony Martin of the last two, three years. But does he have the reliability and consistency mm-hmm. on the flat in just day in, day out, riding the flat on the front? We'll have to see it. Uh, but I think definitely, I don't know. I, I don't know what he wants from it. He's going to be on a good TT setup. I presume oh, he will be going for TT results as well. And it'll be interesting to see if he goes quicker or is can be Ganner and Van Aert and Co on the Jumbo Visma setup. Uh, so that's the Tony Martin-ish replacement. The big one that caught everyone by surprise, I remember waking up to Benji's WhatsApp message being like, sound the clacks and sound the alarm. <laughs> Dylan Groeneweger now, we've already done a separate piece on this to bike exchange. I think that just it just makes a lot of sense, Benji. We don't need to spend too long on it, but yeah, it makes sense to just open up space for the young sprinters, the Van Dykes, the Koi, yes. the Decker. Yes, but I still believe that the sprinters that are there are still having issues with their schedule. For example, yes, Grunewagen did not have the Tour de France option because Wout van Aert was able to sprint to victories in the Tour de France anyway. So why would they sign up Grunewagen for that Tour de France? So it's logical that they put Grunewagen or that Grunewagen and Jumbo are both happy with a, a transfer because it will certainly make Grunewagen happy that he gets an allowance towards the Tour de France at Bike Exchange, which I'm pretty sure he's going to get. Now, when it comes to the sprinters that are still there, I'm already looking at Decker and Koi first before I go to the Van Dijkes. And I feel like 
I don't know when Koi and Decker are going to get grant through opportunities. I think Koi is still too early at 20 years old, but Decker, last year, he was able to go to the Giro, but this year, I saw the temporary start list that they have for the Giro. We'll speak about it in a second. He's currently not on it, so I'm kind of in that doubt of whether Yumbo is the ideal team for a rider like David Decker at the moment. George Bennett's gone as well, one of the not as good in 2021. He was much better in 2020 and 2019, I think, particularly 2020. He's gone to UAE Team Emirates, their biggest rival, to presumably be a mountain domestique for Tali Pagatra at the Tour de France. I, I assume he got a decent offer at UAE Team Emirates. Do you, How much do you think that hurts them, Benji? I mean, Micah Formolo and Bennett, assuming that Bennett, say, uh, let's assume that the concussion or whatever happened in that crash in Paris-Nice knocked him about a little bit this year uh, or last year in 2021. What's the, what's the mountain train then for for Roglic with no Dumo there? Like Dumo won't be with Roglic. Is it Koos and Jonas, but then Jonas is co-leader? I don't know. They're kind of missing a mountain dom. I feel like Koos, Jonas, and then Kreisweg perhaps. Kreisweg has not had the best periods recently, but I feel like in the was it in the Tour de France where Kreisweg was also riding on the Vuelta uh, last year? But at some point in one Grand Tour, I swear he was doing a decent job at being an Amistik better than good. we expected him to do. Yeah, so uh, I think it was the Vuelta indeed, you're right. So it's I feel like Kreisweg is going to fill up that job. And I don't know, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about the potential Tour de France team in a second, but I'd like to go towards the rest of the transfers before we get there. And then we look at two transfers that could actually spice up the Cobble team. And that's what I'm also interested in because last year our criticism towards the Umbo team was that Wout Fanard did not necessarily have the support in those couple races, partially due to the injury of Mike Turnison as well at the start of the season. Tishbenaud and Laporte are two riders that are strengthening that. Do you think that's going to have a, a large influence on the uh, results? I mean, look look at it. Benaud, Laporte, Tosh van der Sander, plus maybe the Van Dyke brothers, or an Encorn or throw them in, like... Compared, I know Nathan Van Hooydonk said no one's allowed to criticize Wout Van Aert's classic support because they had one good race at Gen Wevelgem with Van well, Hooydonk. Well, only one rider. <laughs> yeah, we're exactly. Like, it's just such a boost. Now, can I think Benoit is just perfect to be a domestique. I assume he's happy to do so. Yeah, he doesn't really have much of a much leverage coming from VSM to Jumbo Visma with the talent that you know Wout Van Aert got. You know, expects everyone to ride for him, obviously. Laporte and Tosh van der Sander, like, do you think they can be useful domestiques, Benny? Laporte's kind of a finisher. I think he can because he just was so consistently strong throughout the year in classics races, including sixth at Roubaix with a bike that was barely functional. <laughs> yeah, Laporte really <laughs> did a very good season there. And it's a consistency that is necessary to be a supportive rider. And it doesn't necessarily always need to be the rider that's pacing at the front. Just an extra rider in the group means that you have more leverage over the other riders in a breakaway. 100%. And that means, well, sometimes people look at you and... If you're Ralph Van Aert in a group, people already look at you. So if you have an extra rider to do the work for you and react to things instead of Ralph Van Aert, then that's an extra option in the race. And with Laporte, that's a fast option, which means that if it, for example, was Stefan Kung with Ralph Van Aert, and Kung was responding to attacks from Colbrelli and so forth, and Ralph Van Aert was stuck in the second group, then you'd have a problem. But if Laporte is responding to Colbrelli and is going away with Colbrelli and Ralph Van Aert stays in the second group, 
I try and trust Laporte to beat Cobrelli at the end, perhaps. So, yeah, it's 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 a very different dynamic. And I think it's a second option slash a domestique whenever it's necessary. So it's just a backup that falls into a domestique role when necessary. As simple as that, in my opinion. Did you know it feels like a, a pure domestique for me, though? Yeah, definitely in, in the classics. Although it's like what Benji said, these guys are of a certain quality, like Benoit or, you know, who's won Strata Bianca. He doesn't win much, but second at Britannia Classic. Tosh van der Sander, 10th at Amstel. They're, and Laporte's fast. They have a certain – they're good enough that you can have them mark moves of others, and particularly with Laporte with his quick finish, as Benji said, it, it just can nullify attacks in that way and keep it together for Van Aert. And it's like – what would have happened in Gernot-Wevelhem in the last 30Ks if Nathan van Hooydonk wasn't there? I don't know. It would have been harder for Wout van Aert, one would think. Like, I would hope other riders would have attacked him more freely. But yeah, that's the biggest boost. They've got this classic squad now and almost no excuses, really. Like, they should be winning at least two cobbled classics, one would think. Not even talking about yeah. the Ardennes uh, for this team. But yeah, that's... I think a pretty good, a decent transfer win. Like, what else could they have done, Benji? Like, they're not going to spring for Almeida. Uh, they didn't sign Bennett. Like, I don't know. I think they did. They brought up some young guys. I think it's pretty solid. Yeah, I think so as well. And I really trust that transfer of Fondersson as well, based on his last season, because. Not only is he the kind of rider that is versatile and can get over these cobbly hills and so forth, he's also consistent as a domestique, top 40 at Paris Roubaix, for example, but he's just like Laporte, slightly quick as well. Not as quick as Laporte, obviously, but he's got that punch as well. So if you get him together with, again, let's make Kung the example of a slow sprint. <laughs> F in the chat for Kung today. Um, the Sand is beating him in the sprint, as simple as that. So. Yeah, I think that's a, a good transfer as well. And next to that, he's also the kind of rider you can also sign up for Dwarz of Vlaanderen if the team goes for that as well. I've already mentioned them multiple times, Van Dijk brothers, so they're in. One of them has already won, I think, Tim, maybe a Croatia race, uh, already won a pro race. So they, they have young guys coming through as well. So And they're from the right country in terms of their sponsors too. So they have sponsor-appropriate young talent. The biggest Dutch rider I think they haven't picked up was Marin Vandenberg who went to EF, but they can't take everyone. The other one, Benji, the, the Anton Poltzer of this year, you yep. know, he's not a ski mountaineer. Milan Vada, Dutch, 25-year-old, no, not a single result on PCS, never, yep. done, a, never done a UCI race. Who is this Cross-country mountain biker. That's what he is, a okay. cross-country mountain biker. Uh, rides for a UCI mountain bike team, I think, KMC Orbea, if I recall correctly. And, uh, well, apparently, just like uh, the Paltzers of the world, he apparently in test results also showed the ability of doing so on the road. He has not much experience there, but that's what he can try here. And to be honest with the team of Jumbo already, they can try someone like this because he's also a, a bigger name in Netherlands as well. I know quite a few people that know Milan Vader, which is pretty cool. So uh, that means that they've got exposure with that aspect as well. But I also think it's a bit of a, a tryout. They're trying it out. And obviously, yes, uh, Mick van Dijk, I think, joined because Grunewijk and eventually left the team as well. So that's an extra add-on with the youngsters as well. But I think I heard them talk about their youngsters in the um, team presentation. And it seems like a bit of a different system than before because I think they are going to rename it to or add a section to the team where it's called um, Jung Jumbo Visma which is basically young Jumbo Visma, 
in uh, English, yeah, pretty obvious, <laughs> the translation. And um, the idea behind this is that you've got a, a U23 or, or youngster team and you've got an elite team, but you've also got a mixed bag in the middle. So the best riders of your U23 team and the lesser good, I don't want to say worst riders because they're pretty good, of Jumbo Visma. And those form a bit of a pack that will do the kinds of a Croatia tour and so forth. So it's a bit of a different system that they're going to be applying this year. I'm curious what that will display. I already kind of feel like that's what happened at Tour of Croatia, where they also also had U23 riders in their elite team riding that race. But perhaps it's a bit of a yeah a specified program for selected riders in the team for their youngsters. So let's see what that gives next year when it comes to the signings there. But you ride Hesmond van Dijk. I'm very much... Uh, enthusiastic about those riders and can't wait to see them grow because with youngsters like Hesmon, he's a decent ETR versus Oliver Hills, was top 20, I think, in Lavenir, so strong performance all around, but he still has to make his way and pave his pathway in a world tour, which of the versatile uh, areas he wants to dive in and specialize in, and that's something I look forward to seeing in the season as well. Yeah, they're kind of informally already doing what Benji was describing. They they often go to races like Settimana, Hungary, Croatia, etc. Milan Vada seems to me to be a continuation of the theme of signing guys who can be multidisciplinary. I, I'm sure everybody was jealously, every sponsor has been jealously looking upon Tom Pidcock and Ineos with Olympic gold, now cyclocross world champion, you know, that is huge exposure. If you go and look at like Google uh, trends or analytics, the Olympics, this is a hot take, the Olympics is slightly bigger than some sl- cycling races for general audience interest. We have Zvihoff, the signing of him with Bora. Sorry, Zvihoff is the more relevant example than Pulsar. Zvihoff, I, and I was remiss in not saying he actually looked quite good at parts in the Bora preview last year. Vardas seems to be that. How he'll go on the road. Absolutely no idea, um, but we'll see. He's doing Strade in like a, in a month and a half. So <laughs> baptism by fire for him. But now we'll move on to uh, the squads we think slash already know that Yumba Vismal sent to various races. Uh, I think for the Cobbles, Van Art leader, Turnison, I think Turnison should kind of get some some responsibility himself sometimes. Turnison, Bernard, Laporte, Van der Sander, Van Hoydonk. Is there anyone else you would put in there? I would put a Van Dijk brother in there, Benji. It depends on the range. Like the Dwarsdorf Lannerens of the world, certainly. Uh, but True. in the RVV, for example, I would start it out. A Van der Sander is indeed a rider I'd put in there, like you said. But I'd add Inkhorn for quite a few of these cobble races. I believe that he hasn't shown perhaps the potential that I hoped for last season. But I still believe, I think he won a race, right? Inkhorn, I don't know it by heart at the moment, he but I think uh, I saw him winning against, was it Lampard at some point? Yes, I think so. But um, yeah, I think he should be added to at least some of those cobble races, certainly. And uh, I believe he can grow through as well. And like, it's a domestic role, let's be honest at the moment, until he proves something better at the moment. Timo Rosen, also a rider that could, I think no, he's more he's hilly. New era, um, Benji. New era. Yeah? Okay. No more violence. No more Timo Rosen, new But he's era. Dutch champion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Afini is uh, apparently riding the cobble season according yeah. to his schedule, and that's where I'm like, I'm not sure, because, yes, he's the tier 
Okay, but um, what does that say about his cobble strategies? And he DNF'd on most of the parkours, but that could also mean that he played a role at the start and we didn't see it. And uh, it's hard for me to judge whether Rafinha fits in those races as a consequence. And uh, therefore, I can't judge whether he should be in the team or not. I'd sooner put him in uh, than probably Rosen. I think I'm probably being a bit harsh on Rosen. He did make the break in Roubaix and then uh, punctured, I think, or something. But Afini, I think, will do the earlier ones. And then he's Italian, so, of course, must do the Giro uh, by law. And so, well, he's down for Flanders. Jesus. So he, he's doing a fair few of them, as Benji said. Anyway, it's it's a damn strong team. Where do you where do you rate it, Benji? You've got the De Koenig, Alperson, well, Alperson don't have MVP. We don't. Let's, let's assume Alperson had MVP, full Alperson. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't always work. <laughs> in my imaginary world, which I basically live okay. in, this is how it works. Where would you put Yumbo? I'd have them second in Cobbles. I'll try and answer it in a different question. Do I expect this team to be able to bring Wout van Aert to a monument win in, for example, Paris or Bay? or RVV, the Tour of Flanders. I believe that's certainly possible. I think they've got more options in the latter part of the race, with Benoit and Laporte being added to the team. Tunison hopefully being in a better form than last year, as he was injured last year at the start of the season. And you've got riders that could have a better day than you initially expect. So if you have an Inquan van der Sande, Rosen and van Hooydonk also on the start list, then two of those riders might make it in the group where... The final is starting, for example, and as a consequence, still be uh, very valuable for the squad. And the difference is that last year, Van Aert had to react alone to things. And I think this year, like we said a bit earlier in this podcast, uh, that's going to be a lesser of the case because with Laporte, you've got a second option, Benoit as well. Those are riders that can respond to things instead of Van Aert. And therefore, Van Aert can just stay in the group and not have to respond to literally every attack because people are going to look at him and are going to try and attack him left and right. The Koenig has more riders. You said it. It's one of the stronger teams, the Koenig, if not the strongest team on Cobbles. And they've got more options, which will lead to people trying to attack left and right from the Koenig. And once you have a Benoit and Laporte to be able to respond to moves like that, then sure, someone's getting away. And Osgrin is getting away with a Tunison, for example. But at least you've got someone there and Wout van Aert didn't have to respond. And then the question is, are you happy with Tunison with Osgrin? And that depends on what's to come in the race, of course. Yeah, I think Tukonik is still the strongest. I'd probably have Yumbo a slight edge on paper against Alperson, but probably biased against riders like Yanni Vermeersch, who have really, really good results, and I'm pretty sure I said would be winning Tour of Flanders. So, yeah, it's they're now certainly, I would think, a top three cobbled team all around. In terms of the Ardennes, it is Roglic time again as their leader, one would think. Um yeah, he's a he's a pretty obvious he's our leader, but <laughs> Benoit, I don't know, Benoit has to probably do Arden with him. Does he, do you think he'll help with him, Benji? Like on the last climb on in Liège, will, is Benoit, I think it is a big upgrade as well. Yeah, I think he needs to. Uh, I think Benoit, in my eyes, is there mainly for the cobbles and hill classics in the season and perhaps can play a role as well in a Grand Tour. I can't specify which one because they haven't specified it either. So it's it's difficult to guess as we have still to make our uh, teams for this uh, for the Grand Tours in the season. But yes, I believe it will play a role in the hills. Uh, the same with Hasing. Um, it's planned for the Vuelta, I think. So 
that fits perfectly to also do the Hill Classics as a supportive rider. Allman as well, same story. And yeah, Roglic and Vingegaard for LBL, perhaps a secondary option, backup leader. Um, but when it comes to... Uh, Amstel then. Amstel, right? Because LBL, I'll, I'm I'll saying send, no. I'll send him to all three. Sending, yes, he... but I can't... I, I think he'll play the best role in Amstel. But I think you think the same there. Yeah, I just mean obviously Roglic is just out and out leader for all of them except Amstel. Is he done? Where, okay, you know, except Amstel. Where, well, well, yeah. I don't think they're going to send well to Liège. Um, yeah, I agree. He could win, but I don't Dumoulin think riding Amstel. That's uh, something that was announced uh, a few weeks ago on the team presentation as well, and I think it's more that he wanted to ride Amstel for it being a big race in the Netherlands, but I also think he can play a role in that race. He can be a domestique. He's a rider that wants to domestique when necessary. He can also attack at some point on a, one of the earlier hills to try and spice up the race, but the thing is there that he needs to make sure he doesn't have a faster rider with him. So if he gets Pitcock with him, then, well, Vlad Fanat is uh, having trouble behind. Then Dumoulin can't ride, of course, with a Pitcock. But I think he can definitely play a role in a race like that, and I think the Dutch people will be happy to see him on the road in Amstel as well. But uh, I think that's a solid team, to be honest. Fanart for uh, Amstel and Roglic for LBL? Well, I think Roglic for Amstel too. He had that mechanical at the base of the car. I mean, they haven't won the race since Eric Decker won it in 2001, I think, in Riberbank days. So, yeah, it's <laughs> it's definitely one they got to knock off list. Anyway, Giro is a very, very odd team. <laughs> like This Giro has been cooked for... Uh, Mikel Landa, it's his best ever chance. No TT case, and we get the announcement from Yumbo that Tom Dumoulin is going alongside Tobias Foss, also a strong TT guy, not the best climber. Colin Bowman, who was good last year, I think Chris Harper is down in Ankle and might be going as well. So why why is Dumoulin doing the Giro, Benji? When the Vuelta has a TTT and TT case, and so, so does the Tour. I think the answer is actually more simple than we expect it to be. So when we look at the Tour de France and the Vuelta, the Tour de France is most likely going to be Roglic and Vingegaard as leader. So going to the Tour de France as well means that he's most likely folding into a domestique role or a co-leader role with domestique as it's folding into. But um, the thing there is that then you directly put so much pressure on a guy that is just coming back to his first Grand Tour after his hiatus last year. So I think sending him to the Giro is the safest option so that he can have the least amount of pressure of three grand tours to perform as a leader and with Foss a secondary option it adds more of that relieving of pressure to Dumoulin's role as a leader as well in the Giro so I think that's the reason that they went for Dumoulin for the Giro yes there's less TT kilometers but let's be honest if he's going to the Tour of France and the Vuelta it's going to be a very stressful uh situation once again and I'd rather just enjoy a Dumoulin as leader in the Giro than uh, at the Tour de France and the Vuelta, personally. Yeah, so Dumoulin's record, you know, he's come sixth in the Vuelta, a few DNFs, four DNFs in the last sort of six DNFs since 2015, but then he's obviously first at the Giro, second at the Giro 2018, second at the Tour 2018, and even seventh at the Tour in 2020, which is kind of forgotten about how good he was there in a domestique role. But, yeah, I think... From Dumoulin's perspective, it's better to be a leader or get an opportunity at a race that might not be the ideal parkour for you, but with a pretty, not the strongest GC start list, particularly if Carapaz gets moved to the Tour now, which they didn't know at the time, than to be 
You're not going to win if you're a domestique or behind Roglic, most likely, or behind Roglic and Jonas. So, yeah, maybe he maybe he does do the Vuelta. It's it's a long time away, but um, yeah, apparently he's down for Lombardia as well. I don't know, Benji. I think Foss Foss ain't going to do anything. Oh, he topped in the Giro. He can definitely play a role in perhaps upping that a bit to a top seven, top six, top five. Perhaps if it all goes well, which is going to be very tough, I think, for Foss to top five the Giro personally. But he can definitely play our domestique role for Dumoulin the third week if necessary. So I think he's a valuable rider, quite certainly. And I'm kind of happy that he's getting a bit of a, a chance as backup or co-leader in the Giro because there's no way that he's going to get an Tour de France and the Vuelta for this team at any point unless he suddenly wins the Giro out of nowhere. So that's my take on that. I don't expect him to win the Giro, but I do expect him to be competing for a top 10 position once again. And... Um, who knows, if he surprises a bit, then he's 7th instead of ninth, for example. But uh, if you've got two leaders, then I'd rather have one rider in the top 5 than two riders in the top 10. So they need to fold as a domestique where necessary in the third week for me. How far off in terms of climbing do you think Dumoulin is? Assuming that he, let's say he shows his 2020 Tour de France legs and he's preparing for the Giro, and I, I assume he will be. Do you even think the Lander and Carapaz, how much better a climber than Dumoulin are they? Whew. I think Carapaz is the best of the bunch because I, while Lander is obviously a, a damn good rider, he's got a bit less consistency. And in the time trial, it's not that many kilometers, but he'll still lose five minutes. So I think that, well, three minutes perhaps. Five minutes is a bit overboard, even for Lander. Five minutes in 12 Ks. Was he <laughs> well, doing it on a unicycle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Could, okay, could Dumoulin <laughs> on a unicycle beat Mikel Lander in a 40K flat TT who's using a TT bike? I think that's the case. No, serious question. Could Dumoulin on a road bike? On a road bike with... Uh, tri bar extensions beat Mikel Lander on a full TT setup, and Duma has to wear a, a climbing helmet. Could Duma beat him in a 40k flat TT? Yeah, I think he does. Of course. Easy, yeah, I think so as well. Pretty easy. <laughs> like, we gotta organize this. Come on, Jumbo. But uh, anyway, uh, that aside, I do think that Dumoulin in the form that, for example, we saw him at Bing Bang Tour, that's not a mountain race at all, but he had damn good form there. So, if that form is shown in the same way on the climbs and so forth, then I truly believe that he can, be, can compete for the podium of this uh, Giro. And to be honest, if all goes right, you can try and compete for the victory as well. But I, I still put Carapaz a bit higher personally when it comes to the climbing myself at the moment. I think we'll, we'll see some, we'll have some of the climbing questions answered. Dumoulin goes to the UAE Tour at the Giro. You, know, you don't need to climb that well freak climbing every day. <laughs> Consistency is very important and yeah. more important. Uh, we saw like Simon Yates inconsistent climbing performances. But yeah, I think even though the Giro doesn't suit him, the podium is certainly possible, especially if Carapaz is moved out of the Giro d'Italia Foss. Less so, I'd like to see Foss as a domestique in the Welter later in the year. I think one of the things I like a lot about Tom Dumoulin is his will to continue while suffering on climbs. We saw that victory on, was it? Europa, where Nibali attacked first, I was super hyped, and then Dumoulin countered him at a, at a certain point, and bloody destroyed the entire pack and won on Europa a few years ago. Was it 2017 or something? And uh, 
I feel like that showed a lot. Also that stage when I had a Froome in the Vuelta of 20, was it 15, something like that. Also that same feeling that it was dropped first and then came back on the last deep sections. And I feel like uh, when I look at the Fedaya stage, La Marmolada that's lined up, I'd love to see a Dumoulin comeback where he gets dropped with like 5k to go. He's like 40 seconds behind. And then last week alone is at 20%. He starts just pedaling a bit hard in everybody. TT on 20% to the top. <laughs> past people one by one and wins a stage it's unlikely scenario but i love that scenario and uh something like that so that's that's the kind of rider i feel like dumoulin is he's very consistent when it comes to his will to continue when suffering on climbs and he's not the kind of rider that when he drops unless that except for like that one stage in the Vuelta ages ago where he instantly lo- loses like 10 minutes you know so i don't expect that to instantly instantly happen here either and when dumoulin's involved in the giro d'italia Interesting things happen. The Froome 2018 mental performance. I know Duma was on the right, wrong side of that. He won when he shit himself during a stage. So, you know, who knows what could happen in the 2022 Giro d'Italia. I certainly think if he goes well at UAE Tour in Catalonia, he is going to drop in odds despite the unfavorable parkour. But now the big one, the Tour de France, the one that has already generated a lot of um, thinking and they've signed Dennis. He's already named in the Tour de France squad. Helsink isn't. They've named Roglic, Jonas, Vingegaard, Kuss, Dennis, and Kreisvike. Kreisvike wasn't that good in the Tour, to be honest, although he had crashed and wasn't that yeah. good in Catalonia either. He was good in the Vuelta. I'm not sure who else they'll put in there. Probably a couple of engines, maybe even Teich Benoit. And I think Teich Benoit and Turnison, right? And Van Aert. So Tejbenot, Tennis, and Van Aert will be their own little unit. Yeah. I think that's certainly uh, an option. Uh, I think Roglic and Vingegaard are the two leaders in my eyes. I think they uh, also mentioned Kreisweg as co-leader on the team presentation, but no, I don't believe that's the case, and I don't think that should be the case with the stuff we saw in the last two years. Now, the thing about the team presentation as well is that Kreisweg prefers the Giro over the Tour, and he also mentioned that he would have loved to be at the Giro instead of the Tour, but the team wanted him at the Tour de France because they feel like he's going to be more important there. Do you think that they made the right decision having Kreisweg as domestique at the Tour, knowing that the Giro Parkway is quite perfect for a rider like Kreisweg in his best days? Well, we're not in his best days. We're in we're in 2022. So I think it, we also discussed it at the top of the show, Benji, when I was like, Bennett's gone. They don't have like three dedicated climbing domestiques, particularly if you're using Jonas as a leader, Koos is not consistently there every day in the mountains either, although when he is on, he's good. So, yeah, I think they need Kreisvike as like a just a stock standard mountain domestique. Helsink isn't that guy anymore and might not make the team, which I think he was, he was sad about. Yeah. The big question is, Wout van Aert has said he wants to go for the green jersey and... As I said, I think he will have a mini squad around him, being Turnison and maybe even Teish Benoit on some days. How will that work with Roglic going for the yellow jersey? We saw them balance it, not green, but Wout van Aert going for stage wins and stage seven of the Tour de France 2020 when Wout didn't pull when they had Pogaccia behind. How do you see that working, Benji? Or is it just, I think Roglic is the one that's going to, have to suffer a little bit and Wout going for green is is a big goal for them. I think we need to look at different perspectives before we start judging it. So Wout Fanard, 
he's not 22 anymore. He's near the peak years of his career and arguably in the peak years of his career, in my opinion. So at this point, he needs to start thinking after two Grand Tours where he hasn't gone to for the green jersey. Last year, likely because Roglic was at the start going for yellow that he decided this year is not it. And obviously, eventually, it ended up being three stage wins instead. But at some point, Wout van Aert has to say in his career, well, this is the year I go for green because I need to start thinking about myself as well. And I think that that is part of the reason that this year is dedicated for him for the green jersey is that he finally decided, okay, I have to do it. And I, at some point, need to do it. And I, f- I feel like I'm coming to a point where it's necessary to uh, start hunting for my own goal, that green jersey as well, next to supporting Roglic. Because that's said very clearly that he wants to support Roglic as well while doing so. Now, Roglic, obviously, he'd love to have Wout Fanad as a full-on domestique. But on the other hand, he's pretty good friends with Wout Fanad. So he's like, okay, I understand that this guy has his own goals. And Roglic is gonna, probably going to be like, okay, okay, yeah. I'm fine with you hunting some of your own goals. The green jersey is a big goal, of course, and will end up perhaps causing some trouble on a few stages. We'll talk about it in a second. And then the team is there, and they're like, okay, we've got Roglic and Wout van Aert, two of the biggest riders in the world. Well, what are we going to say to one of them? Wout van Aert wants to go for the green jersey. Roglic wants to go for yellow. The only way we can keep both of them happy to want to stay with the team in the current situation is by allowing them to go for their goals. And they need to find a way to balance it. I think if they say to Wout van Aert, well, no green for you this year, then Wout van Aert, if it happens not this year again, then he's going to get a bit frustrated. And then he's going to realize that he might have options to go for his own results more in other teams. And I think that's why they need to balance it in a team basis. And I think that's why they can't make the decision as a team and say, Wout van Aert, mate, nah, nah, no green for you. They can't make that decision. And... Where can this lead to issues? Biggest issue for me is the cobble stage. I believe Wout van Aert should be chained to Roglic on that cobble stage 100%. No If he way. wants to go for green, he needs two points. No, no, they're not doing this again. For Like, <laughs> <laughs> how are they going to do... Listen, Roglic, it's not bad luck. Roglic crashes a lot. Roglic crashed out of Paris, crashed twice in that stage, crashed in Dauphiné in unrelated crash to the Bookman gravel descent crash on stage four. He just, no one know, I don't know why he actually crashed there. He crashed in the Vuelta because he felt like it. He crashed trying to move up in the Carter when Cole Brelli body checked him in the tour he nearly crashed multiple times in random sprint run-ins on a highway which no one saw except me on the overhead shot uh with three k's to go in just random stages and i think yumbo well that's a pretty big deal he, i think he's correct me if i'm wrong benji he's quite a well-known rider in belgium and the netherlands um i think he's pretty important for sponsors and while for not going for green and state like mon von too benji People message me like that's the greatest performance I've ever seen. I'm like, okay, like yeah, it was pretty good. Yes, I know, but you know, I'm obviously a pedant. I'm like, what's well, it actually wasn't as good as you think it was. That was a really big deal. People thought Wild wow, Arts Two was huge, despite Rolich crashing out. What's a bigger deal in in your gut reaction for their sponsors in Belgium or the or the Netherlands? Wild wow, Arts Green plus two stage wins, or Roglic second at the Tour. Well, second is not the goal. First is the goal. <laughs> like, okay, first. 
At first is much more, much a bigger deal, a much bigger deal. I can't talk anymore. Anyway, when it comes to like Wout Fenard's green, I gotta be honest, the stage wins are great and so forth. Yes, they're amazing, Vaughn to uh, victory and so forth, uh, a stage win here and there, but that's kind of what you expect from Wout Fenard in the Tour de France when he can ride for his own. So it would have been disappointing if he didn't get a stage win or only got one stage win. So three is kind of what we would expect when he starts yeah, but- a race like that. But when it comes to the green jersey, Compared to the yellow jersey, I don't care that much about the green jersey. Like the know, yellow is much more like important. Us. Not not everyone. I know this is shocking news. Not everyone is like <laughs> us, and I think the general public seeing the big Belgian superstar doing well, taking the green jersey, stage wins. Even they don't. People don't make the distinction. Oh, it's from the break against Kenny Alessandro who hasn't won since 2013. Compared True. to Roglic beating a GC group up a climb, well, like that's a significantly harder. Like, they just see the Belgian star winning stages or winning green or whatever. It's bigger and that we have to accept that reality. So I think that's just a commercial reality that Yumbo also have to accept, which Benji was describing also the personal realities where riders of that status have to be let to do their own thing. Do you think – so you think, Benji, you think they should replicate what happened on stage seven of the Tour 2020 where Wout – no, they should not do that. You think they should get Wout to pull, sacrifice the stage win if, say, Pogacar is behind? On a cobble stage, he needs to stay with Roglic because a lot can happen on a cobble stage. On other stages, you've got other people that can take care of that. Now, if you have Benoit and Tunison both at that race, then they could provide perhaps the cushion that Ryumbo needs to say, okay, Vanard can go up the road in the cobble stage. But... I'd much rather, and I'd feel a lot safer as Roglic if Fanad was with me than Tunis and Embenot. Well, I mean, Wout was with him on stage three and he still and Roglic lost his wheel and he yeah. crashed. I, I agree with you, though. If they want to win the Tour 100%, then you, you make no sacrifice. Do we remember Kwiatkowski being allowed to do his thing during peak sky years? No, you don't remember it because it never happened. Probably uh, someone's going to plot one example where it did happen <laughs> at the Tour E. Stannard, Rowe, Kwiatkowski with Thomas, with Froome, with Bernal, always. And that's if you want to win the yellow jersey, that's what you'll see. And with UAE, that is what will happen with them. But Yumbo, I'm expecting something different because that's what I think the public kind of wants. What about yeah. NG? Slightly different to- issue. You said in the mountains, you think they'll be more fine, don't really need Wout. How Depends. do you see Jonas and, and Roglic working with, with Pogacar? Do you, do you think they're just going to try to do Basque Country 2.0? Now when it comes to Roglic versus Fingergaard, no, Roglic and Fingergaard versus Pogacar, we won't start another uh, in-house rebellion between the two here. But um, Roglic and Fingergaard, I think the comparison with Itzulia is not necessarily the right one. Because in Itzulia, I've got a situation where Rolich and Vingegaard are working together and McNulty and Pogacar are working together. Now, in that stage where everything turned around, where Roglic ended up winning the race, that's where McNulty was ahead of Pogacar in GC, and therefore Pogacar was working for McNulty in the Valley quite a bit, and therefore did not have the energy to respond anymore on the climb afterwards to try and put a dent in the gap that Roglic had. So if that work didn't happen, the race might have looked a slight bit different. I still think Roglic would have won. But that scenario will not happen in a Grand Tour. You will not have a scenario where McNulty is ahead of Pogacar on Grand Tour quite normally, despite uh, unless there's like low form on Pogacar or whether McNulty is suddenly a godlike rider. 
uh, which he was on Mallorca Challenge last week, but it's still the Tour de France. But there's no scenario where I see Pogacar working with McNulty that easily. And you need that scenario to happen for Pogacar to work for another leader in his team and then being able to use that in your advantage as Yumbo. So I think that's why the Izulia example is not fitting for me personally. But when it comes to beating Pogacar, I think it's going to be really tough to beat Pogacar, um, even with Roglic and Vingegaard. But from a team perspective, we're always talking about, oh, what if we have multiple leaders to beat that one better rider? But it really all comes down to how you use those riders because if eventually you end up at, a, at the top of a mountain and Pogacar has no domestiques left and you've got a group with Kuss, Vingega and Roglic, I'm saying Kuss because he's most likely going to be the domestique in that scenario and I don't see Dennis and Kreisweg at the top of a major climb anymore after they worked at the start of the climb. Rolich and Vingegaard are the ones that will need to roll attacks on Pogacar, but we saw what happened on Prati di Tivo with Ineos, where oh, Arnal and Thomas were rolling attacks on Pogacar, and he basically toyed with them. So the, dif- the difference will be, is Rolich and Vingegaard a better situ- duo than Arnal and Thomas? Quite certainly. Are they strong enough to roll attacks on Pogacar and therefore find a way to drop him? I think it depends on the situation in the race, and if they find a very long climb in 30 degrees, then perhaps it's possible. I think Jonas should be the attacker. I think it should be like when Jonas went in that break with McNulty, the stage before Arate on Basque mm-hmm. Country, and Pagacha has a difficult decision. Am I going to chase Jonas Vingegaard right now, if he's saying, assuming he doesn't have Formula or Micah, with Roglic sitting in my wheel? Am I going to yep. do that? And he has to, that's a difficult decision for him to make. And Roglic and Pogacar, they're like literally almost the same level on climbs. Like in road stages, toe-to-toe, practically the same level. I assume Jumbo Visma are thinking, and I think it's the right way to approach it, that if you add that element of Jonas putting a bit more pressure on Pogacar to have to do things defensively with, with Roglic sitting behind him, that Roglic can take advantage of that. Maybe, for example, like the Coyada, Yomena, and then Covadonga stage, you mm-hmm. attack with Jonas, link up in the valley with a satellite rider. Pagacha has to chase, assuming Jonas is close enough on GC, and then Roglic can attack a, t- a more tired or fatigued attack, Pagacha, uh, at the end. Jonas dropped him on Von 2. The shame was it was a descent finish there. I think, I think that's the way to approach it, and I don't think Wout is that, Important for that on the climbs per se, but maybe as a satellite rider uh, afterwards. I think they're in a good position to mount an assault against Pogacar despite the signings of Soler and Co. at UAE. Would the situation be different if they were riding against Almeida and Pogacar in the Tour de France? Nah, because Almeida wouldn't <laughs> say be it. there. <laughs> I wanted you to say it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe Masnada and Pagacci are probably better combo. So, yeah, we'll, we saw Masnada at Lombardia. <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> Jesus. At least. <laughs> anyway, that's Tour de France for Yumbo. That's their big priority, plus the green for Wout van Aert. The Vuelta, we, I have no idea. Maybe Roglic will go. I think he should go. Whether he wins the Tour or not, he can win his yeah. like seventh Vuelta in a row. He can win 10 <laughs> stages. And, yeah, I think he should do the Vuelta. <laughs> it, it suits him perfectly. Yeah, I think so as well. I think uh, Hesink is the lined up for this Grand Tour, not for the other ones. Um, do you think that's a, 
a good decision to send Hesing to the vault and not to the Tour de France anymore because now they're losing two very experienced riders in the Tour de France with both Martin and Hesing there as road captains. I mean, Martin not being there is probably a good thing for them. They're more likely to not crash out some of their riders. Um, like, I'm not just talking about right. Amiopi, I'm talking about other crashes, like Martin's crash. Welter. Yeah, throughout the years. Well, exactly, Benji. Yeah, Welter on that descent. So, Hesing, I agree. Like, Okay, yeah, he can't do he he can't do his top ten GC watts he could do back in twenty sort of twelve thirteen, but in the medium mountain or just valleys, he's just useful. Like he can still get over a ten k five percent climb with the GC. Uh, yeah, I agree. I feel like, but there just might not be space. And I think Benoit Benji is who they think can do a better job yeah. in that aspect. I think uh, the difference there is that Benoit can also help on the gobble stage, and I think that's why decision could lean that way instead of a uh, hearsink. That's Jumbo Visma's year planned out. Coos will probably go for GC in a stage at the Vuelta Espana, I expect, as well. And I've already penciled him in for the Granada stage against Miguel Angel Lopez, uh, if he's allowed. And anyway, maybe that's a GC day. Time for our over-unders, Benji. Jumbo Visma, I think they have to get more. They had how many World Tour wins in 2021? This is with Roglic basically crashing out Paranese and crashing out the tour. They had 19 World Tour wins, upsetting the over-under. Let me check 2020. They had 23 in 2020. That was an outrageous year. And in 2019, they had 25. I'm sending the over-under at 23 and a half World Tour wins. That's a lot. That's a lot of World Tour wins, There's mate. a couple of wins, yeah. Yeah, quite certainly. So um, I think I'm going to go for... Ooh, that's hard. Jesus, 23. Do you know how much that is? And it's, it's not like, like you've half. got, it's not like you've got these Tour de France stage that finish on like a, a, a ten percent, twenty percent, three kilometer Puy-Marie finish where Roglic will destroy everybody. So it's not that instant those victories. So I'm gonna go under for that reason. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go under. But I will add that I do truly believe that Wout Fenard will have a better season in the classics this year with the team he has, and also. Partially due to the most likely absence of Vanderpool in some of them. So um, as a consequence, that, that's a, a fact where uh, they can uh, get more victories. But I think it's going to be hard to uh, win 24, to be honest. Yeah, I'm gonna, Roglic is just a lock. for He wins over 10 every year. He wins over 10 World Tour. He's just ridiculous. It all depends on what the others do, like Wout van Aert, et cetera. And Wout's not focusing focusing as much on maybe the uh, yeah the stage races where you can clean up like three of stage races. I'm going with the over Benji. I'm going with the over. I think Roglic Ooh. is going to take like five at Pyrenees, four at Baskin, like six <laughs> at Walter. I think Roglic is still ridiculous. So, and maybe Dennis the TT here and Athenia TT or whatever. Dumo the TT at the Giro. That's just write it down, right? Um, it's already in the books. So, do you think they win a monument? Yes. I think uh, Wild Fernand will win a monument. And I think that it. Ooh. I would like to say Roubaix, but I also want to kind of feel like Osgren might be having a good one there. But it's either Roubaix or RVV. I feel like RVV is the most likely, but I personally would love to see Pogacar do well there myself because it's the first time he's doing it and would be the first Slovenian to win RVV and would be pretty hyped to see him do it. So 
But I think Wild Van Aert will win REV. I don't think Wild Van Aert wins a World Tour one day race uh, this year. Jesus, man. <laughs> That's impossible. Yeah. It's, it's not impossible. It, it's, it's certainly... Uh, it's not <laughs> fucking happening. Well, yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> I think the odds are it's really... It's not even a hot dig. That's, that's, that's a fucking Mount hot. Etna. Lava. <laughs> <His favorite laughs> <for all Yeah. laughs> I don't know how it, it would, I don't know how it's possible. I'm just trying to be contrarian. If, it, if it's true, then I can <laughs> clip this in a year and be like, oh, I'm so bright. Um, but I guess I'm exposed <laughs> to hate. I'm already getting the Arnaud Lee hate. Um, yeah, I think... I think. Do you think they win the tour? I think Roglic wins the tour, Benji. Um, when it comes to uh, <laughs> damn it, <laughs> uh, Roglic, I think they're not going to win the Tour de France. I think Pogacar has it again. Um, I think Roglic's they're getting. Destroy him. I don't agree. All right, I think Wout Fanard will win green though. Yeah, he. Well, I, I can't wait. It's good that me and Benji have opposing views on the most important moment of the entire year but yeah i'm i'm on the roglich redemption train i'm not going to enjoy it but i think yeah. he this is this should be his year for the tour a hot take for me hmm that's a good question i think that olaf koi will win a world tour stages uh, so too often without an, a world tour race without Tour de polonia he's probably not going to write them in the age of 20 so that's not even going to work out jesus <laughs> what can i say that will fit in this bloody squad and then I look at, I think Laporte will win a classic. That's a good call. I think Laporte wins a TT, maybe even two. I think Someone, something like Bessage. Yeah, no, no, a World Tour TT. I think Laporte what? wins okay. a World Tour, World Tour TT. Yeah, uh, nah. And I think, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think. I, I don't know where to stand on Jonas. I don't. I still. I'm not entirely convinced. Convinced, but yeah, he's he's good. I just don't know. Like, I want to say he's going to clean up like two World Tour one week races because his TT is so good. But you have to see it before. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the Jumbo Visma preview. I think Tage Pinot is a huge addition in terms of versatility for stage racing for classics. Just one of those transfers we'll be looking back and be like, wow them winning x-rays maybe wouldn't have been possible without him and the team they had previously uh but yeah that's a big year for yumbo benji and i don't know what their sponsorship situation is but they're in pretty good shape they've got young guys from the benelux region coming through they've still got the most prolific winner but not the recent tour de france winner in roglic they've got one van art the best belgian rider until they haven't this year, obviously, and yeah, Dumo. What do you think, Dumo Benji? Do you think he comes back like he gets a taste of it at the Giro, and and this time next year we'll be like, holy shit, Yumbo are stacked with like three top four GC riders: Jonas, Dumo, and Roglic. That's their hope, right? I think Dumo at podiums the Giro, and the only reason for that is that I want it to happen. <laughs> do you think he leaves last year of his deal here? I think uh, we saw some rumors, I think, earlier at the end of last bike year exchange, where yeah. he was speaking to Bike Exchange, but then they took Runewegen instead. So perhaps there's no place for that anymore. But perhaps a 2023 Bike Exchange transfer, I would strengthen Bike Exchange for certain. But do they have the money for that? I don't know. Jerry Ryan might add another uh, one of his companies to the name to try and provide money for <laughs> Dumoulin's transfer. But um, yeah, I think I think he leaves. Really? 
Yeah, I think you're right. I yeah, uh, I think I think he leaves as well, and bargain exchange would make a lot of sense. Now moving on to the newly minted women's world tour team, but you wouldn't know that they weren't world tour last year. Yumbo Visma women led by Mariana Voss. Numerous wins, Benji. Way one Hentvelham Amstel Gold race. Voss for me was the best one day racer in the world. I think they had a pretty good season, not just because of Voss, Benji, but because Anna Henderson, Rihanna Marcus, they had other riders like Romy Casper even starting to show something as well. Yeah, quite certainly. Yes, six of the seven World Tour wins are indeed Mariana Voss, but Marcus won that stage in the Tour of Norway, like you mentioned, and Henderson might not have won a World Tour race, but she was moving up and was being a pretty strong, supportive rider. And when I think back about Paris-Roubaix, uh, the first Paris with Femme, we had a lot of support there in the last, like, was it 50 kilometers, where in the group of Vos, she had two or three domestiques still being a pretty prominent rider there. Like, uh, Atuncha Bekhaiz was pretty strong there. I think uh, Romy Casper as well. So those two riders, top 20, I think, in that race, 17th and 18th. So that shows that it's not solely Mariana Vos. That shows that other riders are strong, but it does show that there is a bit of a yeah, that she does deliver the biggest victories. And that's important for a team like this. But I do believe that her, their transfers for this season might change that a tiny bit. Do you think that, to start off with, that Mariana Voss is the greatest female cyclist of all time? Uh, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, especially if you're including other races, like other sort of disciplines as well. <laughs> she just won, uh, spoiler alert, the Cyclocross World Championships in the US, although on a course that suited her. I'm not sure, Ben. I find it hard to compare across eras, but Voss' record is ridiculous, and I think her year last year, certainly after being in World Tour or being at the top for so long, was just another obscenely good year, uh, particularly in one-day races. And a world champion, she, she should have been world champion. In my view, no knock to Balsamo. Her sprint was fantastic, beat Voss, but Balsamo shouldn't have been there. And I think Voss, yeah, second at Roubaix, second at Worlds, that was a tough little week for her. I don't, what do you think? Do you think she's the greatest of all time? I think that when you combine all disciplines, it is a yes for me, quite certainly. There's one rider on the road in history of women's cycling that I'm like, okay, results-wise, it's uh, pretty damn it's intense. It's uh, Ginny Longo where she had, uh, ooh, I think, was it nine world championships, four of which were time trial, five of which were road race. The problem is that's ages ago. She did her um, last race, I think, five, six years ago at the age of 57, uh, a French ITT national championships and, st- and still top 15 that race, I think. I vaguely remember that at least. Uh, but she had a very long career. I think when it comes to the only the results, not thinking about the competition in those races. The Palmares is still a bit level between her and Voss, but that's a very different era. At that time, there was competition that was ma- mostly non-professional. Uh, I think the entire peloton back then was non-professional. And with Mariana Voss, she's competing against professional riders, and that makes that, in my eyes, the level will likely be a bit more level than back in the day. And therefore, I would say that by the end of Mariana Voss's career, she's going to 100% be, whatever perspective you take, the most successful female cyclist ever. I agree. And what's interesting is Jumbo Visma have brought in 
a rider kind of sim- similar to Voss, a rider that's won Tour of Flanders before, a rider that is fast at the end of a one-day race and is faster than most non-pure sprinters, Corin Lebecki, who was on DSM, moved over, 29-year-old American. She had a bit of a disappointing year last year in terms of the results she's she's had before. Uh, she hasn't actually won at World Tour level since 2018 when she won uh, the Women's Tour stage and I think the points jersey there, which would have been a sprint. And, yeah, that Flanders was a while ago in 2017. Like, what do you think their motivation behind signing Lebecki is, Benji? Is it just more women's World Tour race days? We've said it multiple times now in the last couple of months. You need more finishes. I think that indeed plays a big role. Yes, Foss is a fast rider at the end of a sprint, uh, at the end of a stage with the sprint. And Lebecki is the same there. When it comes to a hilly uphill sprint, I'd put Voss a tiny bit above Rivera still, because I, I believe that Voss is pretty and I'm good at pretty uh, uphill sprints personally. Lebecki, I think um, I think next to being a rider I can also compete in the other races, like for example, uh, a Giro Femenine, I do think that with this team, you also put her with Mariana Voss in the Tour de France Femme. Because not only can Lebecki be a sprinter herself, but she can also fall into a domestique role and be a rider that is the lead out at the end of a race as well. Because we saw that at the Giro uh, Femenile, Giro Don, in 2021, where she provided a lead out for her DSM teammate back in the day, um, which is the best sprinter in the world, Lorena Wibis. And yeah, if she can also do that for Megan Voss, depending on during the season who's the best of the two when it comes to flat sprints, because you kind of don't know it. Do you feel like it? Voss. I think it sometimes close. Okay. Not, Voss, ridiculous. Okay. Okay. I think I think this is maybe I think you're onto something with the lead out Spenji because you just reminded me. What was the problem at La Course? Anna van der Bregen attacking and Voss had to close. And often Voss was having when Voss has to had to close, she she mm-hmm. lost races. That was when she did lose races. Harry Bay, she would close trying to close it herself. And at Amstel Gold Race, when Ashley Mulman kindly closed it for SD Works for Mar- with Mariana Voss in the group, she just ruined everyone when they brought back Nivea Doma and co. So I think you, you have a point there. More numbers against the likes of SD Works, who have now Kopecky and multiple riders and Norsgaard and Van Vleuten. You just need more good riders if you want to win these big races. And maybe Voss doesn't do the Giordano Benji and they send Lebecki as, as a sprint option. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think uh, that's what's currently planned. I think... Uh... She's not riding Tour de France Femme according to the schedule that's currently released, oh, really? Mariana Voss. And the focus on the Tour de France Femme. That could be wrong eventually because she can still announce to go in anyway. But what's based on the information that we have now, at least that I read, uh, it's Tour de France Femme for Mariana Voss. So that indeed opens the area for other riders to take on that Giro Don. Now, obviously, women's teams aren't 30 riders, so they can't split up everybody. So they have to look at riders that are strong to ride both. and. I feel like it's still possible that Voss will eventually ride the Giro Rosa uh, because she quite literally has won plenty of uh, victories in that race before. And I'm thinking that she will likely want to do it again and perhaps want to expand that 30 victory list that she already has in that race, which is crazy. So um, I think uh, I think that's a thing there. But 
when it comes to like an area that this team doesn't really have anyone for me, it's GC for Tour de France Femme, for example. So I think there's a clear focus for me in those races in the squad compared to other squads that we spoke of before. We spoke of Trexi Alfredo. Uh, we also spoke of FDG and SD Works with all three having a leader for the Tour de France Femme. This team does not really have that for me. And I think that's why I believe this team will be more working next to the sprints with Lebecki and Voss, also in the cobble races with Voss, but also in the breakaway with like Ariana Marcus. We saw that in Ladies Tour of Norway. Is that true? She is good. I think Marcus, as you said, like, I think she's good enough climber to win a really um, sort of almost mountainous stage from the break, but obviously she cannot climb as well as some of the top climbers. And you're right, that's... That's what seems to be missing here is is that one rider who might be that rider, Benji. We don't know yet. She's 18, German. She's just joining the team, signed this year, Linda Reedman. Reedman. She came. She won the European uh, Women's Junior Road Race, uh, I think in a sprint against Eleonora Chiaboco. She came third in the World Championships road, Junior Road Race. That was, though, 50 seconds behind Zoe Beckstedt. But um, Zoe Baxter is pretty good. So that's no like she's like the most talented female juniors yeah. about. So she looks really good. I don't know, you know, what she's developing into. Of course, I'm not going to say that Linda Reedman is going to go on podium the Tour de France fan, but she looks like a talented rider and, and maybe yeah. she'll be a GC prospect in the future. Yeah, I do feel like when we compare this team, this Yumbo women's team to the other teams I just mentioned earlier, this is a not as deep team. I feel like even with Canyon, I feel like we've got a, a deeper team in the riders that they have. There's a clear spear point here, and that is those two riders we mentioned already. And the others can be supportive. We said it already, Bekhuis and Koster were good. No, Kasper and Bekhuis were good at Roubaix. Koster is also pretty decent at Cobbles and Hills rides, both most likely. And um, I think that that's what I said earlier. Like, this team will be spread across Hills and Cobbles. Like, I think at least five of that squad will ride both. And that's, for example, that big house, Romy Kasper, and also uh, Liana Marcus as a very supportive rider as well, because didn't she get like a 12th position at LBL or something? I vaguely remember that as well. So that's combining. But what do you expect of someone like Anna Henderson, who has been honestly growing quite well in this squad, but hasn't broken through on the top level yet? Yeah, she won a few races last year. She won the Craze Braze Elite Dam 2-2 race. Not the biggest race, uh, but she won two stages there as well as the overall GC. Good time trials, won the British National Champs ITT. Uh, interesting that she didn't do she didn't do the uh, women's tour, although that was the day after Paris-Roubaix where she did come 28th. I think they might... She's only 23. Yeah, I, I think they might try and give her opportunities at like a Theratizit Challenge, Benji, um, mm -hmm. to at least go for stages. And GC, third at Belvoir's Ladies Tour, I think in some of those Belgian sort of flattish races, Healthy Aging Tour, she will be their GC leader there because Voss That's cannot Dutch. do them all. <laughs> um, Healthy Aging Tour is, is Netherlands, mate. Come on. There's a difference. <laughs> the flat races with not so many hills in the north of Europe <laughs> she will be <laughs> yes that's a perfect perfect <laughs> suggestion there now um uh when it comes to like Amber Krak and so forth we haven't seen too much from her yet but she got a top 25 at Seratizit Vuelta challenge for example I'm not sure if that will 
evolve into something better than that this season. So yeah, it's kind of like there's proper consistent support in the riders we already mentioned, like that Kasper Beekhuis and Henderson and Marcus. Those are the ones I'm looking forward to actually be there most of the races for Voss. But who of these riders makes it to the final group and then then I don't get to too many of these riders. No, that, that, you're right. It, they don't have the depth. So, certainly not of an SD works, uh, etc. But that, that being said, I, in cycling, it's often it's better to have the best rider and shirk a little bit on depth because, okay, Jumbo had a better overall team than Pogacar in the 2022 to France, but he still won anyway. Into some predictions now, Benji. We, we know Voss will do all of the big one days as leader, perhaps with other people having a freer role, but and Lebecki will also have probably some leadership, but Voss will be the leader in the majority of big races. Do you think Voss will take the yellow jersey in the Tour after a stage? I don't think she's not going to win GC. Van Vleuten stays up. Do you think, I think after stage two or three, I think Voss is taking it. Well, there's that gravel stage. I'm not sure if that's two or three. I think it's three or four, one, one of those. Yeah. But uh, that's an option to do something for Voss. But it depends on how hard the gravel is because I haven't ridden that gravel section myself. Obviously, uh, that's in France. But when I'm in Belgium, a lot of people think I rode every single gravel section in Belgium. I can say that I haven't done that, but I also haven't ridden the gravel sections in France. And therefore, I can't tell you how hard those gravel sections are. But perhaps Manana Vos likes those gravel sections. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps uh, Manana Vos likes those gravel sections. Perhaps those are actually selective enough. I kind of feel like I don't feel like it's going to be selective enough for Vos to just ride away. And um, that's why I find it hard to believe that she will easily take yellow in uh, the Tour de France Femme. I think that it's not happening. I think AVV will bide her time knowing there's heavy mountains at the back end and that might open up a sprint opportunity for Voss against a reduced group where she can take yellow by two to four seconds or something like that. That's obviously a big goal. Uh, And then there's also... The, the one days for her. Um, but yeah, they don't really have a GC option for the TDFF Avec Zwift. Yes, when it comes to the one-day races, though, like you mentioned, I think the blatant one for Voss is Roubaix. I think she wins Roubaix in 2022. I think uh, she was the strongest rider next to Dagnan, but I think the strongest rider still. I'm, I'm still going to say it. Voss was the strongest rider in Roubaix. And... If she had more team support there, then she likely would have won that. But that's easy to say afterwards. Nonetheless, I think that they might not make the same mistake of letting someone go on the first couple section this year, despite it being a very uh, prominent and possible situation. Or perhaps Voss doesn't allow that to happen and says first couple section goodbye, everybody, and does a diagonal. Because... I still believe that's the most likely scenario that a Paris-Roubaix farm will be won once again because I thought it would happen this year and it happened and I feel like it's likely to happen because like people want to get ahead of the drama and want to get ahead, get ahead of the crashes and getting away from a group is easier than being in the group in Roubaix and then crashing eventually and having to make your way back then. So yeah, it's I feel like Voss can win Roubaix and will win Roubaix this year. The big question for me is Tour de France femme happens. Annemiek will be the big favorite for it. She's Dutch. 
This is the last year of her contract with Movistar Jumbo Visma, a Dutch team. I've just learnt, and you reminded me, Netherlands is different to Belgium. They're a Dutch team. Do they or should they, Benji, be putting in a big offer for Annemiek van Vleuten for to even a one-year deal? Because she, you know, she's turning forty this year, but she's still <laughs> still the best GC rider by far. Now that AVDB is retired, one would think, assuming she recovers from her crash, fine. Do you think they should go after her? Presuming she's fine, I'd give AVB a one year on this on solid money. Yeah, I don't know. Both could work out. I think uh, it's something they need to think about. I think they will indeed invest in someone to uh, make their team deeper. But it's it's not only about getting the big guns, and I think I think it's also about getting a more uh, deep domestique squad ready. And the question there is: Are they going to continue focusing on Dutch riders or not? And I wonder, maybe they take the the bonuses they've saved the last couple of years. They didn't have to pay out on the men's side from not winning the Tour de France. Take those bonuses they saved and make a big splash in the women's team. I don't know. Um, could be could be a thing for Jumbo Visma. But something to watch. Any hot takes, Benji? I think Voss wins. Paris Bay, RVV. I think she wins like fifteen World Tour Everything. races. <laughs> yeah, I think she goes mental. <laughs> seriously. I think she wins Roubaix, but um, oh, it's difficult. It's not a hot take, you know, winning Roubaix. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's kind of lame. But I think I kind of want Marcus to win, like, or Henderson to win a proper solid level World Tour race. But I don't know which one. Because uh, the stage at the Tour de France Femme, uh, a breakaway stage there is someone. Perhaps, yeah, they're going to win from the break when the Tour de France won. Agreed. I think Voss wins, yeah, as it Roubaix, Liège, Amstel, Flanders, <laughs> two stages of the Tour de France Femme, two stages of Giro Rosa. And Oxyclean. Oxyclean, European <laughs> champs, and maybe world champs. Maybe. <laughs> so it'd be a pretty decent season. It's not a hot take if you say maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, just maybe for the world champs. Maybe the world champs. The others, she dashed right down. Now, don't even don't even run the races. It's already done. Uh, we're on obviously gold take, big, man, dude. <laughs> big Mariana Voss stand over here. Okay, that was our Jumbo Visma women's team preview. They've got a lot to be excited about. A lot hinges on Mariana Voss, of course, but she's the best, so they should be pretty excited. Hope you enjoyed this podcast, which was presented by our show partner Zwift. Thanks for Zwift supporting the podcast if you want to check out zwift or find out more head to zwift.com to start your free seven-day trial uh today that is in the description down below and we'll see you shortly